The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and today we are going to talk about engagement. Isn't there some movie, like Rules of Engagement or something? Probably. Yeah, I don't know a lot about movies, but we're going to talk about activating engagement in dog training. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. (laughs) All right, my quirky tip is reorder your EM collars. Um, I had Chrissy put the episode that we did with um, Lisa in the show notes. I'm really all about these. Tick season is here. Granted, we're going to be getting a huge storm tomorrow, but uh, I've already gotten some ticks on the dogs. So reorder these. You're supposed to reorder every season, and I'm placing my order this week. All right, sweetie, so this was your topic, engagement. Tell me where your head's at. Well, I was just thinking about with my clients and... um again, out in the field and working with people. And one of the things that people need to really focus on quite often is creating some engagement with their dog. You know, they're telling their dog to heal and walking and they have not established any connection with the animal. And so naturally, they both kind of go down the street, but not working with each other. And the handler winds up with a tight leash and continues walking and and it just made me think about engagement and when in the dog sport world, we're starting with engagement because our focus is to be able to do a compete in a venue off leash. And if you have no engagement and you go out on the field with a dog off leash, yeah. what happens very quickly is all of a sudden you have no dog. Yeah, the dog dis- is out running around. if you will. Yeah. They're engaged in the environment. They're not engaged with you. Yeah. So that was, I guess, what made me think of it because there's a lot of different ways to create engagement uh, with puppies. Quite often, we use food and um, we use toys and we, uh, you, I use the physical contact to establish some fun with the dog. We want the dog to have fun with us and maintain this engagement, if you want to call it that, for an extended period of time. It's not just, hey, pay attention to me, and then they get the treat, and then they're back off doing something else. We want to maintain engagement for a predetermined period of time so that we can teach the dog something, have some, they can have fun at the same time, and uh, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship, Mm, if you will. I like that. Well, and one thing, too, to consider is if you're having trouble with your working relationship, whether you're having trouble walking your dog on a trail, you know, you just have a companion dog set up, or you're having trouble in the agility ring, or you're having trouble in the obedience ring, or whatever else, a lot of times you need to, like, start with engagement. Like, before you go into the ring, you're connected. Like, you're making sense. And I do want to say it as a side... A lot of people seem to have great engagement outside of the ring, um, especially if you're like a sport person. So you have great engagement. Everything looks awesome. And as soon as you get in the ring, the dog's disposition totally changes. Everything changes. You've kind of lost that engagement for the lack of a better way to describe it. And a lot of times what that is to me is too much reliance on food, too much reliance on toys. Like you're hiding the toy that you have in your armpit and hoping that the dog doesn't realize it's gone. You're pretending that you have food and everything else. 
And food and toys are great ways to create engagement. Scott was just mentioning that with puppies. But you can create a lot of engagement with your dog just by interacting with them, by personal touch, like Scott was saying, by chase. You can have a relationship of engagement that is void of food and toys also. And I'm not saying ditch your reinforcers and that shouldn't be the thing, but a lot of the time, that's where I see the difference is the dog's walking around with food in its face the whole time and then it gets to the ring. They're like, oh, that's gone. And then they could give a flying F that you're out there with them. So really think about creating that engagement beforehand and then bringing it into your work, bringing it into your performance, bringing it into your trail hike and making the most out of the time with your dog. Because I would say that's something that we really focus on with our own dogs. And we have working dogs. I have two Border Collies, and Scott has a Border Collie and a Mal. Those are our personal dogs. They're stronger working dogs. They're more likely to maybe engage in everything else. But our relationship has brought them to a point where we're kind of like, go, go lay down. Like dogs are shoving stuff at us. They want us. Like they're, they're always wanting to push for engagement because of the relationship we've created with them. And we so often see pet dogs really have little to no engagement with their owners. So that's kind of something to consider and pontificate, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds easy when you have dogs that are bred to work and all they want and all they hope for for in their life is that you create and maintain some engagement with them. It's like, that's what they live for. So if you're not able to do that with a working dog, you got to really back up. But when you get to a, a pet dog that could be, it's typically, it could be a mixed breed, it could be a, an older rescue dog, has low food drive, doesn't care about toys, you need to still try to establish a connection with this animal. Yeah. So that they're like, oh, you know, for the, when I see a dog I don't know and I have to work with them on an evaluation, the first thing I want to do is establish a little bit of trust. And that usually happens with a little food. I can assess where their head is at if they don't take treats. But it's really interesting, the people that tell me their dog is not food motivated. Once we start doing something together and they start getting it, oh, we're, we're, we're doing something together here, all of a sudden their food drive goes up. Like, yeah. oh, okay, all right, I sit, I get this treat, I do this, do that. So then all of a sudden there's some engagement, there's some relationship developing. And this can all happen within two, two to five minutes. And if the dog just rushes up to me all happy with the tail wagging, I don't have to go through these these trust uh, things really so much because the dog is confident, outgoing, and they just want to do something. And, and they've they're been very, waiting. They're, they're very quick for someone to yeah, pay attention to them. They've been waiting to engage for months, if not yeah. years. And Scott is very adept at this concept of engagement. So I don't even know if you're necessarily a good example. Scott is able to create engagement with the most fearful dogs, the most everything else dogs. If you yourself have not done the dog situation for a long time or you're struggling with a dog that you haven't had this issue in the past... Think of physiological sim signs that your dog is showing. So like getting the heart rate up, getting the blood pressure up, even just kind of like jogging back and forth. I use this tool a lot when I used to teach trick seminars where you just like put food in the dog's face and back and forth and back and forth and lure a few spins. Get the dog so it's kind of in that like squirrel mindset. Whatever gets the dog to this heightened state, whether it be your husband coming home at the end of the day, whether it be its best friend walking by on a walk with its owner, whether it be a squirrel in the yard, try to know how to create that within your own relationship and begin with that. Begin with getting the dog's heart rate up, the blood pressure up. They're excited. They're engaged just because of the physiological change, right? We can do a lot of things as people, even if you don't sleep at all a night before. If you get up and you start jumping and you put on your favorite song and everything else, all of a sudden you can get through a big event or a big day. That's because you're changing your physiological state. So be conscious of your dog's physiological state too. And don't just save their happy yayas for when they 
are running after squirrels in your yard. Make sure that you have a way that you guys can gain that connection together. Yeah, one of the reasons I, I tend to use food a lot in the training is because people have such a hard time connecting with their dog. They have a hard time showing emotion. Uh, they're very, people can be very self-conscious. They don't want to call their puppy by going, pup, 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 pup. <laughs> and they're like, it, it, I tell them to do that, and, the, and they still don't do it because they're just having an emotional block. They're too much of an adult. <laughs> and you really want to have a childlike mind. Uh, the beginner's mind, they talk about this uninhibited, just you want to enjoy the dog. And this is why kids are so great with dogs and dogs chase kids. And the dogs are not, I'm not talking about this predatory, aggressive <laughs> chasing. But when kids get out in the yard, start running around, next thing you know, the dogs are running and jumping and playing and they're having a friggin' great time. It can get out of hand. You don't want that to happen. But the reason that the dogs become engaged with the children is because the kids are having fun. The kids are moving around. And the dog wants to have fun and move around. This is what dogs want to do, most healthy young dogs. They want to move. They want to play. They want to explore the environment. Yeah. And if there's no human there that's going to participate in that, then they're going to just explore the environment. They're going to get into the garden beds. They're going to start chasing birds. They're looking for something to do that's fun, that they can engage in. Yeah. So half the battle, I mean, they're already there like pre-programmed to engage. All you got to do is learn some techniques to establish some engagement. And I would say probably my, my failing from a competitive standpoint, I'm great at establishing uh, engagement, but not maintaining it. And it's part of that is from the, um, the sport I was in. Uh, and I, I'm not even going to throw the sport under the bus. It's because I'm not as good a trainer as I could be. Maybe I'm a little bit lazy. But like in Schutzen, in the, what's it called? IGP. IGP. Mm-hmm. Um, they place a lot of emphasis on the dog's attitude when the judge is judging the dog. They want that dog to look animated, really excited, really into the handler. So you can't shortcut your training. You need to, and this is what used to drive me crazy with this focused healing. When the dog heals, they're just prancing and looking at the handler until the exercise stops. And it's it's more than just a couple of minutes. And that dog is just out there prancing and and really, really focused on the handler. And that comes from one step at a time. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there, I know, you know, great competitors that can spend six months getting three steps of focused what they want for their criteria for that dog. So uh, I don't mean to go down the competition road because I feel like we're really appealing more to the, the, the general public and their dogs. But if people can take a dog and heal for five, 10 minutes with this unwavering focused attention, regardless of what's going on around them, we certainly can get our dog's attention, tell them to do something and maintain a behavior for a short period of time. It's not that big of a deal. Breaking it down for sport is very similar to breaking it down in the pet dog realm. So if you're having issues with you know, your dog not really wanting to work with you. This is a really common thing. And if you have this with your dog, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but this is something that we'll see all the time. The dog is burning on someone 24 seven out following the person around in the house. Maybe even if it stays in a bed, maybe whining on the bed, looking at someone in a crate, just peeling on, you know, this person with its eyes, going to the bathroom, following the person. As soon as they want to work, then the dog totally checks out and is totally disengaged. And that is like an A number one telltale sign for us of anxiety that the dog kind of emotionally needs you there, but they're not really willing to have this working relationship with you. So if you're having a problem 
with engagement in the pet dog realm, break it down just like the sport dog realm. Have the dog maybe in a crate for a little bit, have a little downtime, maybe train in a smaller area, train for a less specified amount of time. A training session doesn't have to be five minutes. If you get 30 seconds of brilliance, great, do that. And then the dog goes out for a potty break and then you get 30 seconds of brilliance later. Breaking it down and building on what's great is going to be more beneficial to your dog in the long run than trying to get everything you want, like, you know, for an extended amount of time, whether it be five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever else. So be very conscious of that concept of breaking things down. Yeah. And that being said, if you find something that your dog really enjoys doing, you can spend a little more time on that because that's creating engagement and the dog's having a great time. And the things that the dog is not as crazy about doing, if you can get a minute or two of something decent in this, uh, establishing this bond and getting the dog to work with you, just do a couple minutes and let it go. Yeah, completely. All right, let's go to break super quick. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about engagement. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, so beyond just breaking things down, I also want to talk about um, like noticing different times when your dog has its yayas, if you will. So if you feed on a structured feeding schedule, which I really hope you do, especially if you've been listening for a long time, if the dog gets really excited around mealtime, I'm not even saying use the meals to train the whole meal and just feed from your hand and everything else, but get a sit before you feed the dog. Get, you know, three times going in the crate before you feed the dog. Bath time, a lot of times dogs get a bath and then they're like all wiggly and crazy. If they're really excitable after their bath, get some stuff going on with, you know, engagement in that moment. When the kids come home, if they're excited, work with them in that moment, like cater to where they're already showing some engagement and then kind of interject yourself into that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're transferring the reinforcement yeah. to you yourself. So if your dog's excited about food, uh, but, can, but only pays attention to you when you're waving a baggie with food in it, that's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, because you're not always going to have that baggie of food. Even if they're great with the baggie, you're just not. And people get burnt out on always having to have food. These people, these food dogs that I meet where the people are working great with a little treat, one of the first things they say is, well, when can I stop using the food? Well, if you can transfer that value of the food into you and your relationship with the dog, they're going to be pumped up. And it's not that you're just going to go cold turkey on your treats or whatever, but you want them to be excited about you. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is probably one of the hardest things to teach these clients when I, um, you know, go to these homes with these dogs that have a lot of behavioral problems because the people are catering to the dog, constantly catering to the dog but the dog doesn't care about them. It's a totally one-sided relationship where they're getting new dog beds, buying better food, getting all kinds of toys, and the, the dog has no interest in any of it, you know? Yeah, and when Scott brought up the food, that's a good point. I would say one of the most typical ways I see a dog who's gonna disengage or check out is someone that every time the dog gets distracted or the dog drops its head or something else, they just put food right back in the dog's face. That is not helping your situation, right? Like always having the cookie to like kind of get that olfactory sense going again and, oh, okay, like I'm working, I'm engaging. 
No, make some noises. Do some things that you feel out of your element with. You know, when Scott's doing his little bop, bop, bop stuff, we do that out in public with clients, with our own dogs, with everything else. We only care about what we can get out of the dog. So step out of your comfort zone and don't automatically think, oh, okay, he's disengaged. I got to get a better treat. I got to re-engage by putting a cookie on his nose. No, maybe you take off and run the other direction. Maybe you, you know, push the dog back gently and drive it into you. Create games that are changing the dog's physiological state and that are making you more exciting. You need to be the squirrel. That is important. Yeah. And I will say that, um, to create this engagement, you have the auditory, the the noises, the high pitch, the, you know, are you a good boy and all stuff, which always gets the ears to perk up. Uh, you have the physical touch. Think about getting your dog, to, you know, to engage with you without any food, without any toys, not for any length of time, but yeah. even for a minute, like, hey, get them excited about, be, what are we going to do? It's like, they're looking at you like, what are we doing? Are we going to go out? Are we going to go yeah. to the yard? What are we going to do together? Yeah, that is a good point. I'm glad you brought up the tactile stuff. I'm pretty big on this when I train and I don't always realize this, but like with my dog Vital, like if I slowly stroke her and then I just give her a little pat on the side, that's instantly something that I've cued into her since a puppy, like, oh my gosh, game on. And she's very easy to go from zero to 150 than most other dogs. When I would work Jimmy, when he was doing the French ring and Scott would be in the suit, that's a lot for Jimmy, right? Like I mean, Jimmy was not bred to go down and bite people and s- strangers and everything else. So he really had to build his confidence level. And we'd be at the start line and this is more auditory than tactile, but I'd whisper in his ear, I'd hold him up and I'd whisper in his ear. And that became like this cue of like, oh my gosh, game on. Like, here we go. So start incorporating cues and not cues that you're going to use to get your dog to come back to you if it's not engaging or something else. But so the dog knows, hey, the fun is coming. I don't know. We don't talk about sex a lot on the show, but let's talk this up. So if you have like cues at home, I am thinking of that like country song, like they pour tequila and they play John Denver. So if there's something at home, we're like, okay, like, you know, that one. Yeah. You don't listen to my country Spotify <laughs> like do you, that. Do we, uh, will I get uh, we sex don't, if we, we don't play have, that song? No, we don't sure. have to talk about our cues, but there's certain <laughs> things at home, like within couples, you're like, oh, wow. Like he's touching me a little bit different tonight. Maybe this will be a different night. These pre cues and you want to talk about engagement. That's some good engagement with people. These pre-cues matter. So think of that when it comes to your dogs. How are you cueing your dogs? It's the same reason when you pick up the leash, the dog's batshit crazy, like, woohoo, like we're going out, we're going for a party, this will be fun. Create pre-cues that you can control. And it is so great that your dog loves you, and it is so great that your dog wants to be with you. But if you're going to use this tactile stuff, and if you're going to use these auditory things, Maybe stop talking to your dog so much in every minute of every day. Maybe stop just sitting on the couch and kind of passively stroking the dog for two hours every night. Like use your tactile and your auditory stuff to really mean something, especially if you're struggling and having issues. Because yeah, the A number one thing that we see with people when they go to train is just zero engagement. And then you're just not going to get the same performance. And if Scott and I take the leash, all of a sudden, like the dog looks like a totally different dog. Scott often is like, Hey, make a little noise. The dog looks at you before you take the first step. Like you have to be in the same moment together. And engagement is also going to create presence, right? You have to be present. Your dog has to be present. And ideally, you're being present with one another. So it's really an important component of training that is often missed, especially with companion dog training. Well, it does create a learning mind. Yeah. I mean, when you have the engagement, they're looking at you and they're like, what? What are we going to do? Yeah. What do you have for me? What do I have to do to get what you have? Well, you know, just they have this, you know, excited enthusiasm and they're primed to learn. Yeah. And And that's what we want because the, the opposite of that is you're just making them do stuff. Like when I was a kid in school, I hated sitting in the chair. I hated listening to the teachers. And I did basically the bare minimum to get the hell through 
school, high school and get out mm-hmm. with a piece of paper that said I did it. Mm-hmm. That was my motivation. But, and that's also where I was headed. If you go to a science seminar and you're sitting there for eight hours a day and it's just kind of everything's blase and everything else versus like an entrepreneurial conference or something else, even some other types of, you know, companies and stuff are creating a different company culture, Zappos and stuff. Like it starts by getting up, clapping your hands, like feeling the energy of the room and then you're more primed for learning. So this pre-priming for learning is very important and it is something that you guys should consider. And being in school is a great example. If you tune out in school, when are you more engaged? Are you more engaged? Like Scott took some classes with, you know, bee, beehives. Scott does all these little things. He's very engaged in those. It, it's, it's tapping into his interests. So tap into the dog's interests and also those physiological signs, you guys, I cannot stress it enough. Like you need to know what makes your dog go. Do their claws come out? Do their ears go back? Like, do their eyes open big? Do they dilate a little bit? Like when are they in their zone? And when they're in their zone, ideally you're creating it and then you can be in the zone together. That's the whole point of owning a dog from where we stand. Yeah. And I, you know, that being said with the, with the physical stuff, I let my dogs jump on me. And that's something that most pet dog owners come and say, I don't want my dog jumping on anybody. Well, I can keep my dog from jumping on people. But I allow him, I invite him. I mean, I'll tap on my chest, he'll jump on me. But that is a cue in his mind. Oh, we're doing something Mm -hmm. cool because I want to interact with him. And what I do when he jumps up on me is I push him off and I break, tell him, come on up again. And and we start playing this game. He starts getting excited. And with my Malinois, I mean, I can't do that too much because he's (laughs) like, he goes over with him. (laughs) If he's walking next to me and I reach down and pat him on the shoulder or, or grab his scruff of his neck in a, in not an aggressive way, but just in a way like, Hey, you know, we're going to do something together. He just starts barking. He's like over the top. Yeah, oh, this jumping is gonna, up to his just head. can hear when I go upstairs and I bring him down to go to go outside to go potty. It's not even allowed to handle and his all own of dogs a sudden, anymore. He's honestly. just like barking and he's <laughs> bouncing beside me. He's thrilled. Yeah. And all it was, was a little bit of touching him on the side and that's him knowing, oh, we're doing something together. This yeah. is friggin' great. And these are all things, you guys, if your dogs love toys and they love food, that's awesome. But these are a lot of these things we're discussing don't have anything to do with food. They have to do with you and the way that you're interacting with someone. And even think about, you know, your friend group, your social circle as a human. Like, who gives you more energy? Why do you enjoy being with these people more? What about interactions with certain people kind of drain your energy, make you feel less, you know, up and ready and motivated and stuff and transfer that to the dogs as much as possible because they know our energy. They can sense our energy. And I feel like we're so mechanical some days and I'm not trying to shit on clickers. Clickers are fine, but you know, it's just, Oh, click, treat, click, treat, click, treat. No, like let's get in there. Like let's rough the dog up. Like let's get excited about things. When Scott's talking about pushing his dog off, it's the same reason if a dog's jumping and you keep pushing them off, they want to jump more. They love that opposition reflex. Use those things to your advantage. If you're able, turn and run, push the dog off, turn and run, get the dog chasing you. When they get there, have a big party. You need to be a party for your dog and they deserve you to be a party. And it's just a more fun relationship overall. That's the only way we can describe it. So be conscious of engagement. And if your engagement blows, or if you feel like when you're working with a trainer, the dog is totally different than when you're working alone, we are very open to being like, hey, you guys take a video, send us a video. Like we want to help on the spot. If something's going differently without us there, we want to see where that's 
lacking. So if your trainer is open to that kind of thing, say, hey, do you mind if I, you know, video this session for 30 seconds to a minute? Don't over abuse the system or whatever, but see if there's something different about what you're doing in class versus what you're doing with your dog. And that will really help you. Even the other day, Scott was doing a class with somebody and I was like, hey, video her because it looks so good. And just him getting her camera out and videoing her made her more conscious of her leash. And she was like all these subconscious things that were happening just because she was being videoed changed. So the power of recognizing your own behavior and how that's help helping or hindering your progress with your dog is really, really, really important. And sometimes that's shown most through video. Yeah, it's nice if you can create a physiological response in your dog. And that's what I talk about all the time with, with my clients. I mean, that's, I usually bring that up as it relates to the come command, where if there's one place that I encourage people to use high value treats, and I mean like getting into steak and, you know, meats and things like that, it's when that dog gets to you in that come command and they get that reward. Um, because they're going to be much more, and if you compare that up with the cue, whether it's here, come, whatever you're saying, they're all automatically getting a little bit of saliva going yeah. before they, whether you have the food or not. conditioning fun. Yeah. And, and then when the dog gets there, I mean, Scott often, if I'm at class with him and I used to be there all the time when he taught, you know, he'll be like, okay, like tell your dog he's good. And it's not just like, you know, very like clinical petting good the boy. dog, like good boy. He's like, get on the ground, give the dog love, like, you know, wrestle whatever the dog enjoys to really make that so reinforcing. Because yes, if you do have a companion dog, probably the most important thing is if they're going to run out that front door, if you call them, they're going to turn and come back no matter what's on their neck, no matter what you have in your hand for reinforcer and everything else. You want you to be the cookie in that sense. Yeah. You want them to ideally, um, even if you weren't like doing a lot of obedience training, if you can cue your dog and they think, oh, it's time to have fun with my person, they're going to turn off of whatever they're doing anyway and just come to you because it's the big party. I tell people all the time, especially if I have a dog for boarding and training, when they initially come back and uh, they reconnect with their dog, they're almost in tears. They're so excited. They're on the ground. The dog, you can see the dog go from trying to be well behaved to, oh, it's okay. It's my owner. And then all of a sudden they're, they're asking, it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Cause <laughs> the, dog is work. Now, yeah. the dog's jumping all over him. But I tell them also what you did with your dog there, try to get into that mindset and that space, that emotional space when you're rewarding your dog, especially when you tell the dog free. Cause a lot of times the dog is like, oh, is it real? Cause we're proofing a lot of behaviors. And then they're free, get sticky, like, oh, I'm not sure if I can really get off. You're tricking me. If you have the big party after you've released them out of staying on a bed Mm -hmm. for five minutes, their free is going to be awesome. They're going to say, oh, okay, boom. All right, now we can. And that's when you have the party. That's how they know I'm free. I'm not working anymore. I can play, you know? Yeah. And it makes both ends of the spectrum better. It makes the obedience stick better. And they also know when it's free time. And that's the problem with I see with people with their healing their dogs. They walk the dog and they're working on their healing, and then they say free, and the dog barely leaves the left side. I'm like, get the dog needs to go out now and sniff and be a dog and be loose and feel on your right side. Feel okay, yeah. to be out in front of you, and don't allow the dog to just keep walking next to you. You need to get them to understand we're done with this. Go, yeah, go, free be, up, be a dog, free be up a their dog. headspace. Yeah, and definitely. that's why I tell people. 80% of your walk should be free. 20% you're working on your very militant, structured healing. 
And the goal of that is only so that when you need it, if there's some crazy person and their dog coming down the street, you need a little more control, use your healing. Other than that, let your dog be a dog. Yeah, let your dog be loose. Not dragging you, but loose leash. And then if you are having engagement issues and your dog is very engaged throughout the day, let's say you have a cat and literally six to eight hours of the day, that dog is stalking the cat or the dog loves to hunt rodents in the backyard and you just let them out for hours at a time to hunt rodents. So they love to look out the window and wait for the UPS man and the mailman and people crossing by. If that's where the engagement's happening, there's only so much engagement to go around based on what kind of dog you have. So try to limit those interactions more. I don't care if your dog's enjoying it or not. If you want to create more engagement with yourself, you need to kind of take these more innate things that are in them, these more instinctual things, and cap them a little bit, right? You get some of these hunting breeds and some of these setters and retrievers or whatever else, like they, they just start to get a little nutty in their heads, a little spinny in their heads. They're just, oh, the laser, oh, this, oh, the shadows. Like, no, like engage with me. Don't sit there for three hours and chase freaking shadows. And if you use a laser pointer, if we haven't said it before, throw it out. Don't ever use that with your dog. We hate that. Yeah. And there are some service people when you mention. uh, uh, the dog sitting and looking out the window for certain activities to bark or to get excited about. There are some like Amazon drivers and UPS drivers and some mailmen, especially mailmen, they always carry dog treats with them because they've had some negative experiences. They want to establish a good relationship with every dog on their route. They don't want to have these problems. And there's a lot of dogs that just, they wait all day for the mailman. They're like so friggin' excited. Oh, the mailman's (laughs) coming. coming? They run out there like it's Santa Claus. And they love this guy because the guy gives them some attention. There's a little bit of back and forth. Yeah, And if you're losing engagement to the mailman with his old stale milk bones in a little sandwich baggie when you're training with hot dogs, that's the time to step back and think, how can I expand my engagement within my relationship with your dog? So if this is a topic that you haven't really considered before or you're kind of like, you know, on the fence about or new to, consider it because engagement is everything when we're training. If we're training, you're really clearing that throat a lot today. If we're, if we're training pet dogs, if we're training board and train dogs, if we're training at classes, we are always trying to create engagement, not only just with the owners, but especially with their dogs. And we hope that the owners can pattern the engagement that we're creating with their own work. So just be conscious of this whole topic. Yeah. And if I will say, if the mailman is getting better engagement with milk bones than you are with your hot dogs, problem. it's proof it's not about the food. Yeah. It's about That's the engagement. Yeah. It's about this person's energy and what yeah. he's bringing. He sincerely is excited to see this animal and he wants to have a good positive experience. And the dog knows that. Yeah. That's why it's happening. Yeah. And if you're just peppering your dog with, with treats all day long, the dog, look, quite often, they could care less. Yeah. They're just like, oh my God, more hot dogs? Yeah. What do you have today? Oh, cheese? Great. <laughs> Let's up that. All right. So consider these topics. Um, we have some fun episodes coming up. I'm super excited. Next week, Scott and I are going to talk queuing systems. And the week after that, we reinvited back Boston dog lawyers, Jeremy Cohen, and we're re upping our doggy bar. So we have some fun things in store. And in the meantime, keep, keep it, it quirky. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.